0: Good morning. Today is Thursday the 21st of January 2021. I know I said that I was going to take a a sabbatical from recording and posting morning prayer in order to um, over the month explore some Creative outlets, but I really missed it I found that this is definitely a part of my rhythm of life so fun experiment back early <laughs> and with that that being said our readings for th- today psalm thirty seven verses one through eighteen isaiah forty five five through seventeen ephesians five fifteen through thirty three and the gospel of mark four twenty one through thirty four We begin on page 76 of the Book of Common Prayer. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God, our Heavenly Creator, to set forth God's praise, to hear God's holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. And so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. God of all mercy, we confess that we have sinned against you, opposing your will in our lives. We have denied your goodness in each other, in ourselves, and in the world you have created. We repent of the evil that enslaves us, the evil we have done, and the evil done on our behalf. Forgive, restore, and strengthen us through our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we may abide in your love and serve only your will. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouth proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The mercy of God is everlasting. Come, let us adore them. Come, let us sing to God. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to God with psalms for you are a great God you are great above all gods in your hands are the caverns of the earth and the heights of the hills are yours also the sea is yours for you made it and your hands have <laughs> and your hands have molded the dry land come let us spit out let us bow down and bend the knee and kneel before God our maker For you are our God, and we are the people of your pasture and the sheep of your hand. Oh, that today we would hearken to your voice. The mercy of God is everlasting. Come, let us adore them. Psalm 37, verses 1 through 18. Do not fret because of the wicked. Do not be envious envious of wrongdoers. For they they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in God and do good. So you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in God. And God will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to God. Trust in God and God will act. God will make your vindication shine like the light. And the justice of your cause like the noonday. Be still before God and wait patiently for God. Do not fret over those who prosper in their way, over those who carry out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For the wicked shall be cut off, but those who wait for God shall inherit the land. Yet a little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look diligently for their place, they will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant prosperity. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But God laughs at the wicked, for God sees that their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to kill those who walk uprightly. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Better is a little that the righteous person has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but God upholds the righteous. God knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will abide forever. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Isaiah, chapter 45, verses 5 through 17. I am God, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I arm you, though you do not know me, so that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is no one besides me. I am God, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness, I make wheel and create woe, I, God, do all these things. Shower, O heavens from above, and let the skies rain down righteousness. Let the earth open that salvation may spring up, and let it cause righteousness to sprout up also, I, God, have created it. Woe to you who strive with your maker, earthen vessels with the potter. Does the clay say to the one who fashions it, what are you making? Or your work has no handles? Woe to anyone who says to a father, what are you begetting? Or to a woman with, what are you in in labor? Thus says God, the Holy One of Israel and its maker. Will you question me about my children? Or command me concerning the work of my hands? I made the earth and created humankind upon it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens, and I commanded all their host. I have aroused Cyrus in righteousness, and I will make all their paths straight. They shall build my city and set my exiles free. Not for price or reward, says God of hosts. Thus says God, the wealth of Egypt and the merchandise of Ethiopia, And the Sabaeans, tall of stature, shall come over and be yours. They shall follow you. They shall come over in chains and bow down to you. They will make supplication to you, saying, God is with you alone, and there is no other. There is no God besides. Truly, you are a God God who hides themselves, O God of Israel, the Savior. All of them are put to shame and confounded. The makers of idols go in confusion together. But Israel is saved by God with everlasting salvation. You shall not be put to shame or confounded to all eternity. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle A, a song of wisdom. Wisdom freed from a nation of oppressors, a holy people, and a blameless race. She entered the soul of a servant of God, withstood dread rulers with wonders and signs. To the saints she gave the reward of their labors and led them by a marvelous way. She was their shelter by day and a blaze of stars by night. She brought them across the Red Sea. She led them through mighty waters. But their enemies she swallowed in the waves and spewed them out from the depths of the abyss. And then God, the righteous sang hymns to your name. And praised with one voice your protecting hand, for wisdom opened the mouths of the mute and gave speech to the tongues of a newborn people. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Ephesians chapter five, verses fifteen through thirty three. Be careful, then, how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to God in your hearts. Giving thanks to God the Creator at all times and for everything in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ. Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, be subject to your husbands as you are to God. For the husband is the head of the wife just as Christ is the head of the church, the body of which is the Savior. Just as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be in everything to their husbands. "'Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church "'and gave himself up for her, "'in order to make her holy by cleansing her "'with the washing of water by the word, "'so as to present the church to themselves in splendor, "'without a spot or wrinkle or anything of the kind, "'yes, so that she may be holy and without blemish, "'in the same way husbands should love their wives "'as they do their own bodies. "'He who loves his wife loves himself, "'for no one ever hates his own body.' but he nourishes and tenderly cares for it just as Christ does for the church because we are members of Christ's body. For this reason, a man will leave his brother, his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a great mystery and I am applying it to Christ and the church. Each of you, however, should love his wife as himself and a wife should respect his, her husband. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle R, A Song of True Motherhood God chose to be our mother in all things, and so made the foundation of their work, most humbly and most pure, in the virgin's womb. God, the perfect wisdom of all, arrayed Himself in this humble place. Christ came in our poor flesh to share our mother's care. Our mothers bear us for pain and for death. Our true mother, Jesus, bears us for joy and endless life. Christ carried us within them in love and travail until the full time of Christ's passion. And when all was completed and Christ had carried us so for joy, still all this could not satisfy the power of Christ's wonderful love. All that we owe is redeemed in truly loving God. For the love of Christ works in us. Christ is the one whom we love. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 4 verses 21 through 34. Christ said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under the bushel basket, or under the bed and not on the lampstand? For there is nothing hidden except to be disclosed, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Let anyone with ears to hear listen. And Christ said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. The measure you give will be the measure you get, and still more will be given to you. For to those who have more will be given, and from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. He also said, "The dominion of God is if someone could scatter, as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. This person does not know how. The earth produces of itself. First the stalk, then the head." and then the full grain on the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once God goes in with God's sickle, because the harvest has come. Christ also said, With what can we compare the dominion of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which sown when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, Christ spoke the word to them them as they were able to hear it. Christ did not speak to them except in parables, but Christ explained everything in private to Christ's disciples. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Jesus Christ. Let us affirm our faith together. We believe in God, the Nurturer and Teacher, from whom is named every family in heaven and on earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, begotten of divine love, who lives in our hearts through faith and fills us with that love. We believe in God, the Holy Spirit, She strengthens us with power from on high. We believe in one God, source of all being, love incarnate, spirit of truth. Amen. Well, I really picked uh, one to get, I picked a good day to come back, I guess. Um, This, our... Our epistle reading today is I think one of the more difficult ones. You know, it even says in my commentary that these verses have been used to keep well, let me not, let me not misquote. Let me actually go and tell you what my commentary says. And as a reminder, um I read from the New Oxford Annotated Bible. The New Revised Standard Version with the Apocrypha. It's an ecumenical study Bible. This is the fifth edition. So, oh, sorry. I turned to the wrong reading here. Give me a second, folks. Here's what my commentary has to say about, um, the passage for appeal of transformed household relationships is what my commentary calls it. Verses five twenty-two through six nine. This passage, speaking specifically of Ephesians five twenty-two through thirty-three, by granting complete authority to the male and encouraging female passivity, has in the past been used to suggest that Christian women should remain in abusive marital relationships. There are so many verses of this book that was intended to be a message of love that have been misused. I have even heard conversations recently where the violence of January 6th is I I w- I shouldn't say it is justified there's an attempt to justify the unjustifiable actions of January 6th by quoting verses from Hebrew scripture and yes there is there is violence in the Bible, but it is it does not condone violence now. And I just use that as one example that the Bible has been misused. And I believe that this passage is another way in which it's been misused. Now, I did a little research this morning, and I came across a writing by Joanne Logan, while at Durham University, and there's, I think, a really interesting suggestion there. And the suggestion is that we read this passage not as using the church as a metaphor for holy marriage, but the contextual ideal marriage as a metaphor for church. So kind of flip it around and instead of reading it like God is, is telling us through this through this epistle or through this portion of the epistle what marriage should be like, rather read it as a description of what our relationship with the church should be like. So if in the ideal marriage relationship, One partner at a given time is the guide, and the other is the follower. And the guide gives their whole heart, their whole person, over to the follower so completely. That they love them even more than themselves. Then we can see here the way our relationship is to be with God. That we can follow God with perfect trust because God so loves us. And I know this is an overused phrase, but... Let's hear it anew. So loves us that completely gave themselves up for us. That all-encompassing, completely sacrificing love is something that we are not capable of. Christ did this for us. And our way of accepting it is to trust in Christ. So this beautiful and intimate relationship is the modeling of how our relationship should look, that we should follow Christ with perfect trust because God loved us with perfect love. Maybe let's substitute the word complete for perfect because we know human beings cannot be anything approaching perfect. And so I think that, particularly right now, following Christ in love and this being the relationship that the church should have, I think that's an important recentering. And it's maybe a new way to read this passage and a reminder that there is no one way and that Scripture is alive. And moving and breathing, and has been relatable and holy and transmissive over thousands of years, and also has a context in the times and circumstances in which it was written. So understanding that there was an idealized form of marriage expressed at that time in which one party led with self-sacrificial love and the other party followed, I think we can see the relationship of the church. And we should remember, too, that the church was fairly young at this point in time So it made sense to describe the way it's supposed to look because it didn't have the precedent that we have now. Um, I think, too, though, that we've maybe gotten, well, not maybe, we've definitely gotten away from following in love. And I, I can't help but think again about an attempt to justify violence by by picking and choosing particular passages from the bible i i think there is no question that if we follow christ we follow in the way of love and that is really hard to do because even those that are trying to use the bible to justify hate we must love them i hope that this hasn't been too convoluted and is has helped to shine a little bit of light i think i think too that there's an example in our reading from isaiah Where, let let me get it back so I can quote it to you. Woe to anyone who says to a father, what are you begetting? Or to a woman with, what are you in labor? Thus says God, the Holy One of Israel and its maker, will you question me about my children or command me concerning the work of my hands? I think there's a message here for us about we as being God's children are, and you hear me say this all the time, of this created of the same divine substance of which God, God's self is made. We we would never ask a mother, what kind of child, you know, what, what kind of offspring are you growing in your womb there? Well, of course it's human offspring because the mother and the father are human, right? So we being the offspring of Christ, we being adopted heirs through Christ and created in love by God, we are twofold from love. We are created of the same divine substance of which God, God's self was created. We were were made by God. We are the children of God. So necessarily... We are not made for evil. We are not made for hatred. And also being reconciled, being adopted into the way of love through Christ, who with this all-encompassing self-sacrificial love that we've been speaking about, reconciled ourselves came and showed us this new way, we ought then to know without any doubt that we are made for love and in love. And that though it might be the hardest thing, unimaginably hard, we live in love and in that joy and in that trust that God is and was and will be. I hope that as we move forward in the liturgical season of Epiphany, and move forward into a new political season and move forward together in this global community that's becoming ever more intertwined we can take all of this in we can take in our origin story as it were and we can take in our redemption story and we can look in a way that's integrated and acknowledging and taking into context all of these wonderful examples that scripture gives us. You know, our gospel reading tells us about how Jesus told us, told his disciples, tells us through them now through scripture, all of these things in ways that they could understand. And I think about, you know, um, one of my senior leadership at, at work, he really wants to, dig down in the details, and then also really wants like an anecdotal description when one, one might say, one might even say a parable, like a description of it's like this, that relates it back down to something within our conceivable sphere of experience. Because when we talk about theories, whether they are scientific theories, or scriptural theories, theological theories, It it's hard to then relate it to our everyday lives, right? That's why a lot of folks struggle with finding God in scripture, finding their God. And by their God, I don't mean that there are many gods, but I mean that There is one God to whom we all relate differently. And so it makes sense that Jesus would tell the people stories that relate the concepts that he's trying to explain back to their own experience. And it makes sense too that the writers of Ephesians, whether you think that's Paul or um, other writers in the Pauline school, would try to use examples. So if there was this concept about the ideal family and you're trying to describe this beautiful and extremely intimate relationship between Christ and the church... I think that makes sense that you would use it as an example. And I think I think it's understandable too that we interpret text differently depending on the perspective and time from which we're reading them, both of our era and also of our personal context. Cuz there we can reread the scripture Many different times and different things jump out at us depending on where we're coming from. So I love this idea of reading scripture from different angles, of stepping back and saying, what if I read it through this lens? What if I read it from this perspective? And I think a really important understanding to have when we do that is an understanding of the context of the times. And I think when we try to superimpose the context of the time in which the Bible is written on top of our context and then make them exactly the same, I think that does the whole thing a disservice. I think we miss the point. So today, the day after Inauguration Day, a day when we roll up our sleeves and get down to work at doing new things, at seeing things through a new perspective. I think that's the lesson that I would like to take forward today, to always look through the lens of love and be open to new perspectives. That might sound simplistic, but I think that's what I'm carrying forward with me today. I hope that that's helpful to you. Perhaps it is, perhaps it isn't. <laughs> but thank you for being here with me. Thank you for listening. Thank you for praying. Thank you for raising our voices together in this liturgy that is so holy and so beautiful. And I am thankful for my my time away from this experience with you because it has made me value it all the more. Thank you. Continuing with the prayers, we're going to use as we have have often the prayers from the Iona Abbey worship book. beginning on page 12. Into your care, O God, we place those whom we love, those for whom we worry, those from whom, in time or place or affection, we are distant. Into your care, O God, we place what grieves us, And what inspires us and fills us with hope. Into your care, O God, we give ourselves. God bless to us our bodies. God bless to us our souls. God bless to us our lives. God bless to us our belief. Let us share the prayer that Jesus taught us in our own language or preferred version. Our creator in heaven, hallowed be your name, your dominion come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us in the time of trial and deliver us from evil For the sovereignty, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. May the blessing of light be upon us, light without and light within. May the moon, sun, and stars shine on us, and warm every heart till it glows like a great fire, so that strangers and friends may come in and find welcome, May light shine out from our eyes like a candle set in a window, and may God bless us with goodness and loving kindness. Amen. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Collect for the Second Sunday After the Epiphany Almighty God, Whose incarnate our Savior Jesus Christ is the light of the world, grant that your people, illumined by your word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory, that Christ may be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth, through Jesus Christ our Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us use, as we have been often, as our prayer for mission, the prayer attributed to St. Francis. God, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. And now is the time when we lift up and hold in the light, those whom the Spirit has placed upon our hearts for prayer. Let us pray together the general thanksgiving. Almighty God, giver of all mercies, we, your co-creators, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love in the redemption of the world by our Savior, Jesus Christ, Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. The wisdom of God, the love of God, and the grace of God strengthen you to be Christ's hands and heart in this world. In the name of the Holy Trinity. Amen. Amen.